0: Hi, welcome to Pick a Little, Talk a Little, the musical theater podcast where we talk about musical theater. Every episode, we pick a show and we go through the show and we talk about what makes it work, what makes it doesn't work, and why we have a lot of feelings. As always, I'm your host, Gabrielle Gazelowitz, and with me this episode, we have special guest co-host Stephanie Friedman. Yay! Her brother has been uh, on a couple of episodes Harrison was in our pilot, and he also was the co-host for Big River. And Stephanie, do you want to tell us what musical we're talking about
1: today? We are talking about Legally Blonde, the musical. So excited. As opposed to Legally Blonde, not the musical. Well, yeah, there's the movie that the musical is based off of, and that's not what we're talking about.
0: So to get started, to talk about our relationships to the musical and to the text. So... I, for example, have never seen the musical on stage. I have seen the film once some years ago, and I saw the MTV live recorded version of the musical. And I'm, you know, familiar with the cast recording. I like that sort of thing.
1: Um, I've seen the movie many times, and then MTV aired it, so I watched it live when MTV aired it. And loved it, and I have watched it many times since. The whole version is online. That was, I think, the first movie to musical that I'd ever seen that was not movie to musical to movie type, right? And this is an increasing trend, and it's one that often
0: is pretty awful. So it's really It was really easy to be cynical of Legally Blonde, but to look into a little bit of who did Legally Blonde, Lawrence O'Keefe, Larry O'Keefe, and his wife, Nell Benjamin, did the music and lyrics together. And I don't know about Nell Benjamin. What's fun is that O'Keefe actually went to Harvard undergrad. The book is by Heather Hatch. We spoke about the movie. We can't avoid talking about the original text. You know, in this case, the movie, there's going to be certain points where we need to bring up the comparison. Also, we're not going to talk too much about like the actors and the cast. I personally will not be able to resist a couple of times. Starting with
1: the opening number oh my god you guys that's the best number
0: oh my god what's the number
1: oh my god you guys oh my god i'm just gonna do not let me talk valley girl during this episode i make no promises it's gonna happen
0: so in oh my god you guys we're introduced first not to any of our main characters but ...to a specific ensemble group, which are the Delta Nu sorority girls at UCLA. Stephanie is doing the little Delta Nu hand signal. So we have a song that's pretty much just exposition, where we have these girls saying, Hey, the president of our chapter is about to get engaged to her boyfriend because she's a senior in college, and they've been together for, like, all four years of college, and he's been acting kind of weird lately... But what's amazing about it
1: is you're brought right into the sorority house and you really get the sense of them in this house as opposed to the outside world. Like you're brought into setting, you're brought into the characters, you're brought into Elle's life when this musical starts, which I think is really important to understand so that her transition later on is even more pronounced.
0: Right. We're learning about Elle before we meet her through the perspective of her sisters who are all nuts about her. And they do say a couple, a couple interesting things like, daughter of Delta Nu, soon to be fiance, now that a man chose you, your life begins today. But then they say no man can supersede our sacred bond of sisterhood. So it's already this weird internal women loving and helping women world that has that element of we have to watch out for each other. But then there's this clearly internalized sexism. It's matter of fact that Elle's identity lies in her connection to a man loving her, which is this weird like
1: cognitive dissonance that we're going to watch play out over the course of the musical. I think they also do a really good job introducing the superficiality of Elle's original world. They have lines like, you're the perfect match because you both have such great taste in clothes. But by the end of the
0: song, we meet Elle, and the first thing we see about her is that there's something a little bit more to her. The fact that she uses her knowledge of the superficial, like, and she wields it like a weapon, and that she uses it to expose this lying sales girl at a dress shop, and you get that the other, that the people who work at the dress store have respect for her and like her. Everyone thinks of Elle as being brilliant in her specific circle, because She's never tried to be anything than what's expected of her, but what's been expected of her, she's always excelled at. Yeah. Also, we have the really awesome costume change. I must say, watching the MTV recording of this was a little bit torturous because they don't know how to act at a show. Like, Warner shows up, and she kisses him, and the audience starts going, Woo! And I remember watching it and being like, Ugh, they're shallow and uninteresting. And I was like, But have I learned nothing from
1: Legally Blonde? So there's definitely the whole concept of being yourself and staying in, you know, what you're good at, but the concept of pushing who you are as a person and pushing what you can do and becoming a new person and having a new comfort zone. Like it's, it's both are there.
0: And really the wheels are all sort of set in motion in Oh My God, which is also so fun to sing. It's just so fun. It really is. So Elle meets Warner, her boyfriend, and they go out for dinner in Sirius. Which is. Because it's this. When I say pop musical, I mean musical marketed towards mainstream popular culture. But it has really good, really smart musical theater
1: lyrics. And I love how it plays off of regular tropes. Like, it definitely. In this song, at one point, you know, she starts singing. He's like, I'm not finished. And it. it doesn't break the fourth wall, but it's aware it's there.
0: Yeah, for sure. So in Sirius, we find out that Warner is not going to propose to Elle. He's dumping her. There's certainly the trope of, like, the serious politician who was probably kind of party boy in college, and you wouldn't think of, like, oh, he must have had, like, a college girlfriend who, like, he dropped along the way when he needed to prepare for his career, and this... Story is taking a look at her, who's someone we've been maybe taught is invisible or that we haven't really thought about. He says he needs less of a Marilyn, more of a Jackie. The implication that Elle would be holding him back from having a career, and even though they're both sort of like rich white Californians, that she's she was really just sort of like
1: property to him that he's done with. I think he sees her as... A part of himself that is not acceptable. He wants to achieve the dreams that his family has put forth for him. And he really loves Elle. But he realizes he needs a more serious grown-up relationship. So he himself is more grown-up. Yeah, but he's totally callous about it. Oh, and- 100%. That's, I think, very much a big part of his character.
0: And Elle falls apart. There's a quick sort of reprise a part of Oh My God, where her sisters say that it's been almost two weeks and she's completely fallen apart, and she has this epiphany, and she says, Warner needs the type of girl he described to me, I guess I can be that girl. <laughs> I. Right. Um, and yeah. she knows that he's off to Harvard Law in the fall, so she figures, I still have time to apply, I'll just go to Harvard Law. So this is the first time we get the motif about love, Mm -hmm. where she's so sunny and optimistic, it seems like a dumb blonde thing. It's almost like she isn't smart enough to see the obstacles in front of her. And she's naive enough that she's still bought into this idea that love can
1: conquer all. I mean, in some ways, she's totally completely caught up in it and that, you know, dictates her actions. It's like, there's nothing wrong with me as long as I fit his ideals. And while I would say on on one level, like, that's an anti-feminist, it's a problematic thought process, it's so realistic. I happen to love the way they portray it with Elb She goes, I give it his ideal and I'm gonna do it And there's no obstacle I can't face Because I have love leading my way And love becomes This powerful force that gets her Into Harvard, I mean
0: Yeah, so so we have the song What You Want, which is an interesting Song in a lot of ways If we're running with like feminist like slang mm-hmm. This is a musical That almost uniquely has A very clear female gaze There's a lot of like hot shirtless guys running around in this musical
1: in this song especially
0: (laughs) is there just showing us like spring semester at ucla that she's missing out on by for pretty much no reason having an admittedly pretty terrible fake reggae interlude yeah i still don't know why that happened there are really shirtless guys and that's what counts now also is where we're getting the musical distancing itself from the movie and how would she have gone getting into harvard law and bursting into the admissions office with a marching band would never work in the movie and in the musical that's what she does and it's the show's way of saying like musical theatery things can happen this is one of those and, and you're they just have to roll with they it they
1: definitely go over the top on a bunch of things and they explain some of them away
0: so they have this like marching band come in and i don't particularly like that just dancing moment i'm a little bit like oh this is nice like they're doing a pyramid or whatever mm-hmm. i'm not particularly engaged as i am like watching her sing that she has a 175 yeah though the costumes are great
1: i like the little jet blue shout out in the middle there
0: (laughs) oh the shameless corporate shout out to an airline company where clearly money was exchanged to like advertise for them in the lyrics actually makes me mad like i wrote a college essay
1: oh wow where
0: i like referenced this moment but Elle gets into Harvard, because it's musical theater tropes, they just go, all right, welcome to Harvard, and it's this very classical musical moment, and and it's sweet. When she gets to Harvard, the next song we have is an example of me going, my God, this is a really smart musical in the traditional sense, and this is not what they're trying to market it as.
1: But this is the counterpoint to Oh My God, you guys. It is, here's the setting for our next part of the musical. And then we have um the Harvard variations where you have, Hey, welcome to the people that are going to be in Elle's life from now on. Welcome to this new chapter of her life.
0: Oh for sure. Oh my god is a fun song to sing. Mm-hmm. The Harvard variations is like a little bit atonal. It's kinda of boring. But then when they sing all three parts on top yes. of each other and you're like, like oh this was doing something more complex musically and we didn't I didn't even realize My only problem with it is that this is where we're introduced to Enid. Yeah. And in the movie, Enid is this really interesting character. The maybe lesbian, like, Harvard Law student who's, like, too serious. Oh, but she and Elle can be friends. And in the musical, they are like, oh, she's a lesbian, and let's just make everything about her a punchline.
1: Yeah, they they made her an archetype, a stereotypical... Her only point in this musical is to make feminist comments about everybody else in a militant way.
0: Which is weird because yeah. because it's a feminist musical. And the point of the musical is that you can be like Vivian or that you can be like Elle and like whatever
1: works for you. It feels like instead of embracing all kinds of women, it pointedly makes fun of lesbians. It makes fun of feminism. It makes fun of... Basically, anyone who is a female and has strong opinions. You would expect
0: Broadway to be more progressive about LGBTQ issues. On the other hand, no, because Broadway, you know, we had Fun Home last year and it was like the first Broadway musical with a lesbian protagonist. It's always been faster to adjust to the world of gay men than gay women. So, yeah, in my notes, I drew Enid and then a little frowny face. But here we do meet Emmett. And. We're going to be keeping an eye on Emmett as we go on, because if there's one thing that the musical
1: does better than the film... So much better. It's
0: Emmett and Elle's relationship and Emmett as a character.
1: In the movie, it kind of felt like he really was just there every once in a while, and then suddenly they fell in love. And in the musical, they have a real connection, and there's a lot of relationship building. But in the musical,
0: I like it better, because she's worked for it the same way that she's worked... For her law career. Yeah. First, uh, we have Blood in the Water.
1: That is my least favorite song in the entire musical. It's another song that does what it has to do, but it's not fun. It feels very much like they went, well, we have to include this scene because it's in the movie. We do need to see Elle... Failing at trying. Right, right. They took two characters from the movie and they merged them into one character in the musical. Um, so we just have Callahan. Harvard has one law professor. That is the only professor we see in the musical. Then there's a lot of exposition in the song, though. Like, this is what is expected of you. This is what you're going to be expected to do as a lawyer. This is oh, the internship. internship that is coming up. And her getting kicked out of class and her kind of meeting Vivian in song for the first time. So on those levels, it's important, but as a song, it felt very much like it was just a conveyance for all the exposition.
0: Which is fine if the song were more interesting. Legally Blonde seems to be sort of afraid of going for more than a few minutes without a song. Oh, wait, we're about to meet the Greek chorus? Yes! (laughs) Okay, so Elle is sad at the end of the song because she's been kicked out of her first class at Harvard Law, and... She's so bummed that she mentally summons up, like, the spirits of her sisters back at UCLA to help her. And I don't care that the whole thing might just be for the pun of calling them a Greek chorus. It's so funny
1: and so smart it's genius it's a way of involving the same character she's had beforehand without having her call them all the time which would be kind of boring this is a musical that is making
0: sure we're having fun all the time and we're gonna make it a classical theater reference that they're there yes
1: oh my gosh they're, they're a fantastic trope
0: oh man it's really yeah. great okay so they come out and they do sing positive Which I really like as a song.
1: Yes. Internally, she's dealing with the fact that the guy who she loves, the guy who she wanted to marry, has this new fiancé. The internal fight with what do you do when you're confronted with this person, she gets to act it out with the Greek chorus. I mean, this is a really feminist song because they tell her, pull her hair, call her a whore, do these things. And she's like, guys, guys. And Vivian and
0: Warner are not engaged yet. They're just dating. It's a song about women as competition with one another.
1: Yes, but at the end she goes, girls, I'm positive that we've taken this too far. No, I'm positive this is Harvard, not a stripper bar. All this trashy carrying on, that's the reason why he's gone. Basically saying that she needs to make a different change and be more proactive than beating somebody up.
0: Yeah, fair enough. She doesn't make it about Vivian, but she is using Vivian as a model and saying, I need to go brunette. And going brunette leads her to a hair salon. where we encounter Paulette. We've already talked about gender, and we're not going to talk much about race during this, but let's talk about class. Yeah, When we see Paulette, the movie just has this figure who is like lower class, but the musical taps into this very specific phenomenon in Boston. White, working class, um, specifically she has the really thick Boston accent that Orphe, at least in the original cast, pulls off really well in a really funny way. And I really like watching her relationship develop with Kyle. Um, if for no other reason than that, it's just like a really sweet working class love story. That's kind of a good foil to like Elle's problems is like, Oh, like I really want this rich guy and I can just run off to Harvard law once I've gotten in because like money is no object. And this friend she makes cares about like the fact her that she back. Her trailer. Yeah. And so, okay, so we meet Paulette, and Paulette talks Elle out of dyeing her hair brunette. Mm. And the musical also invents this weird thing yeah, for Paulette where I she's obsessed with Ireland.
1: I mean, I it works well. Yeah, it's one of those additions that I'm just like, I don't know why this happened, but I'm enjoying it now that it has. So I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about how the creators of this
0: show are so smart from a musical perspective, and they clearly know how musicals work and what makes them tick. And there's a lot of characters running around, so if we're going to take Paulette seriously as a character at all and, like, have any sort of connection to her, she needs a song. And they could have just given her a song where she's like, I miss this guy who I used to be with, and he dumped me, and he took my dog. But instead, they give her this, like, weird recurring motif that's actually something we can hold on to. That's something that in a movie it would be it would feel random and not make sense. But this is fun and sweet and we can keep coming back to it and it gives us a direct association of Paulette has this weird thing where she loves Ireland.
1: And I think it also it shows a really good way to look at her perspective of Elle because I think her relationship with Elle is gonna be really important to both of them. And We're going to see Elle's side of why the relationship... Like, we already see why the relationship's important as soon as she goes there. She talks her out of, you know, dyeing her hair and all that.
0: And so that's something really interesting about Elle, is that this woman is doing her hair in a salon, and she's very clearly, like, lower class. And Elle immediately sees her as an equal in terms of valuing her as a person and valuing her opinion, and, like, they pretty much immediately have this sort of interesting mutualistic relationship. So... Elle thinks that she's going to a costume party, dresses up like a playboy bunny. She gets there, and it is not a costume party, and Vivian tricked her, and she looks like a fool. But Elle confronts Warner at the party with the reprise of Sirius, and the musical in general is very kind to Warner in a way he might not deserve, and for example, in the song we just get a little bit of his insecurities, and that he's feeling a little bit out of his death. Well,
1: I think part of it is because we're seeing it through Elle's eyes. Like, we're seeing it through her lens. We're not seeing the parts where he's with Vivian. We're not seeing the parts where he's doing work. We're seeing it just when he's talking to Elle, his ex-girlfriend, but... The whole point is, she's a representation of the life he's trying to leave behind. Yeah, so that must make it really
0: difficult for him, her being there.
1: Yeah, like he's he's like, man, being with you is kind of like you know senior year when we ruled the world. We were like gods. Like ex-, yeah. I held your hair back while you held. I love that line. And that's
0: true. And that's going to be really interesting with what the musical does choose to do with Warner ultimately. Yeah. So L is still pretty crushed, and she finds Emmett again, and. We're gonna get a "Chip on My Shoulder," which might be my favorite song on the entire musical. I have to. And it's over it. eight minutes. So, what we get here is the development of Elle and Emmett's relationship. We get a realistic way of how and why Elle gets motivated the way she does. We get a good passage through time in a way that doesn't feel like we're jumping. And what's really important is we get a story for Emmett where we really feel for him. We don't know anything about Emmett in the movie. No, not really. And here's some more interesting class stuff is Emmett tells her that he grew up in a slum and with a single mom who worked really hard to take care of him, but a series of awful boyfriends and – that it made him sort of angry and motivated to succeed. And like, he's still such a sweet guy that we sort of get everything we need to know about him in this one song.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I think this is what Blood in the Water could have been. We get to fall in love with this character. We get a sense of his sense of humor. We get to know about his backstory. We get to know about what he's looking for, his motivation in life. He has a personality.
0: And it also shows us, what they sort of see in each other from the outside. But he pretty much straight out tells her, I see myself in you in the sense that I was laughed at for being this sort of poor kid and you're being laughed at for sort of the opposite reason. And then he refers to, to it as a we.
1: We if can't wait we if we don't follow if we through. we don't
0: follow through. And the melody is great. Mm-hmm. And we also get little interludes like they're showing us time is passing. So they have the Greek chorus come out and sing holiday
1: songs. It starts out with Elle bringing up the theme of love again. Oh, yeah. Where she's just like, up till this point in the musical, all I did was I followed love. She sort of admits to Emmett she's ready to stop just following love and use her brain, but to not make it her sole purpose in Harvard Law School.
0: Yeah, because they don't want to develop her too much too fast. It's still, if I really want to impress Warner... I have to, like, ignore him and focus on my work, which is, once again, this sort of cognitive dissonance that's part of her
1: working it out. But it's such a big step. Yeah, and I also like how we get to see her studying with Paulette at one point. It's not just, oh, I go to you, you do my nails, and we talk, and you're just somebody who I pay money to. They have a genuine friendship. And the song sort of culminates
0: with Elle having this moment in the classroom where she beats Warner in a debate debate, and the professor is interested in her in applying for the internship and that she's sort of risen to become a formidable student in her law class. And Emmett is sort of narrating throughout the song and he's sort of triumphant
1: about it And this is the moment where she goes, oh, I'm not just studying and, you know, trying to do well in law school to impress him. I'm doing this for me. And only after that, she's able to make the impression in class and defeat him.
0: But then what we're going to see next is Elle and Emmett go with Paulette to Paulette's ex's trailer. And Elle essentially uses like the law slang that she's used to scare him into giving Paulette's dog back to her. This is a musical that has not one, but two dogs on stage. And they're so cute! They're cute, but it's kind of not necessary. Yeah, kind of. And after Paulette is so grateful and thank you and she leaves, and Elle does, she sings to the tune of her love motif, but it starts with, is this law? And she's singing to Emmett about how all the work she's been doing has clicked into place because it's had a real practical application and she's helped
1: someone. I'm so bummed it's not on the cast recording. It goes from her understanding she has to do this for herself and then a few minutes later she makes sleep. Oh, I'm doing it for other people. So
0: then what happens is Warner and Vivian do get engaged and this should be sort of a low point and we're approaching intermission and Elle finds out that along with Enid, and Vivian, and Warner, she got the internship. This is a brilliant moment in how do you turn a movie into a musical. And the musical's like, obviously we have to turn this into a showstopper.
1: And it's so good. It's their defined gravity. Like, it is the, I am a powerful person, and regardless of what's happened in the past, I'm going to so, so let's forward. talk about so much better. What
0: are we seeing in so much better? Because... It's a song that starts slow and quiet sad. and she's a little bit sad and it well, fills up into this note of triumph. So we have L in the back of her mind she was still all doing this for Warner and all of a sudden maybe she shouldn't be at all. So I'm actually a little bit ambivalent in that she's gotten a little bit too much over him in this number. There've been a few different versions of lyrics and that have yeah. like played around with that. But the song is just so lovable, I kind of let it slide.
1: Uh, And then she sees her name up on the list, and she does the whole little, like, wait, what? Is that really? Really? I love that she has someone pinch her in the song. Which was something they added in the later version of the lyrics. Um, and then they do play off of something from the movie where she goes up to Warner and she's like, oh, remember that time we were in the hot tub? Uh, Vivian looks at Em and is like, whoa, you... Like, these are things that you haven't told your new fiancé about things you've done in the past. To her going, hey, remember that really cool thing we did? This is better. Bye. So this number is all about L. Also,
0: I cannot think of another musical with, like, a sung fake orgasm. <laughs> yeah, no. But also, like, oh, this is the guy you really loved. And also you were faking it for him.
1: And it's just a little detail that, like, sticks with me, both because it's, like, funny and kind of uncomfortable. And then comes a lyric, which I find incredibly important. I'll even dress in black and white. I have to be what they need so that I can do this job. And I think that's a really important moment, because later on in the musical, we're going to see her learning to be herself. I have very specific notes
0: about that and costuming choices. And And that's our finale, Act Mm 1. So, we open Act 2. And we're finding out what this internship is about. And specifically what they're going to do is they're going to help Callahan and be a part of his legal team for a murder trial, defending a socialite. We have Brooke Wyndham, who is this fitness guru who has this series of, like, tapes about you jump roping your way to fitness. Her husband has been murdered and her her stepdaughter has accused her of the crime. and, And the pool boy. And... She's in jail, and we sort of are introduced to her through this fitness song Which, while not necessarily, like, the catchiest song, is really visually impressive. Also, they add the little element to the musical of her being suspicious because her fitness is also self-defense. And that, like,
1: she's just how to possibly kill a man. So, mm. yeah. Can I just say that the actor, the actress who plays Brooke Windom and the people who play her dancers in this song get so many props from me. But they jump rope. Like most of the song, and they are singing and dancing and jump roping.
0: First of all, it's Nikki Snelson. Okay. Um, this is a song at the end of, um, at the end of whipped into shape where everyone has to freeze at the end. And you can just see her stomach like heaving, trying to get oxygen back into her body. They have the so, jump rope freeze, which is yeah. kind of visually anyway. Um, so the legal team shows up and I do love just cause I love everything about Emmett, that he interacts with her in a way that's respectful and not condescending. And he clearly cares about her. But when she says that she refuses to give an alibi, the whole legal team gets into an argument with her and they all sort of leave in anger, but Elle stays behind and lets her know through technically song that they are from the same sorority and their sacred bond of sisterhood transcends everything else and Brooke tells her her alibi, which is that she was getting a little bit of liposuction, which would destroy her career. So Elle lets the legal team know that she has the alibi, but that she won't say what it is. And pretty much everyone gets mad
1: except for Emmett. This is a number I know you care a lot about. It's called Take It Like a Man. It is very tongue-in-cheek. On one hand, I I don't like the title. And basically, Elle takes Emmett to a department store and goes, let's get you some better clothing, because you have to look the part. And on one hand, you might think this is really superficial. And on the other hand, I know lawyers, or even if you watch TV with lawyers, the better they're dressed, the more they're taken seriously in this profession.
0: And also they acknowledge it over the course of the song. She dresses up Emmett in this gorgeous suit and he says, oh, I look like a Warner, and she goes, well, yeah, but on the inside you're still you, and this is reflecting how great you are, the fact that you look great, and that's what I, what is really important and what I care about. So I think It works in that way. And also we get the transition from their friendship
1: into maybe something more. Emma definitely had feelings for her, but this is the first time it becomes really obvious. And the first time that Elle goes out of her way to do something nice for him. Emma's done a lot of really nice things for her. He's helped her study, spoken up about her to Callahan. And here she's able to go, you know what? I I can't be the support system that you have been for me because you don't need that. But I do have money and I can say thank you. And also,
0: while this number is a shameless endorsement of capitalism in that regard, it does give equal validity to Elle's world of department stores as it does to Emmett's ivory-covered halls. She has a 4.0 in
1: fashion merchandising. It's
0: called a department store. It's it's beautiful.
1: (laughs) Subtext by Dior. We're like, oh man, there's something in the air. I think it's love, because that's the name of the... (laughs) The fragrance earlier. So
0: here's where things kind of make a turn in terms of, like, the creative team is better than this. Mm -hmm. We go back to the hair salon, and we meet Kyle, the hot UPS delivery guy, and this is very much more of the female gaze type of thing. So we have the moment where Elle is going to teach Paulette the bend and snap.
1: Like, they had no choice. If this wasn't in there, people would have, like, murdered them. They
0: don't have the line that happy people just don't kill their
1: husbands. Yeah, but I think "Bend and Snap." If you ask somebody to tell you something about Legally Blonde, nine out of ten people would mention the "Bend and Snap." But
0: then it's a song that they like. They pushed really hard. It was horrible like, it's marketing, and it's oh. just not a good song. We get the Greek chorus, and Paulette can see them too, just yeah. because, which is fine. What I will say about this number, if nothing else, is it, is it is a chance for Anna Lee Ashford to shine in the original yes. cast.
1: She definitely has a presence in this musical. That said, I still don't like this number. You can't make me like it. No, no. And, and in the movie, they chose an actress. She's a heavier actress. And as a heavier person, like, I appreciated seeing not just your, you know, typical skinny, whatever. Broadway body? Yeah. Ends up getting the guy. And in the musical, she is. Like, everything literally on the dime goes from I have no self-esteem to everybody thinks that I'm catnip. And it's so superficial and the... that Volt Foss is just not believable. Even by Broadway standards. What is that? About face. Anyway, the bend and snap,
0: which, by the way, for those of you who don't know, is bending over, displaying your butt to pick something up, and then, like, snapping back really fast. That's pretty much it. And this number ends with Paulette doing that to impress Kyle, the hot delivery guy, and accidentally bumping into him and breaking his nose. Meanwhile, back at the courtroom, the pool boy is testifying that he had an affair with Brooke, therefore giving her motive to kill her husband. Um, I also think it's very interesting in the movie in particular, and also in the musical, that she's like, no, I really loved my husband when he was, like, 60, and she was, like, 25, and it's this relationship that people are like, obviously she liked him for his money. It's it's interesting in the musical if something that doesn't really get explored. But so we have the pool boy, Nikos, (laughs) testifying against her. So there is sort of the expectation that she wouldn't, why would she love her husband? Of course she loves the hot pool boy, who she admits she, like, finds attractive. So... In the movie, Elle figures out that he's gay, and they trick him on the stand into admitting that he has a boyfriend. In the musical, they turn it into a song.
1: Yeah, so in the movie, she's taking a really long time, and she's stamping her foot, and he says, oh, don't stamp your little last year prodigy shoes at at me. And that's her, like... Moment where she has that, you know, a little bit of clarity, and she goes, oh my gosh, light bulb, he's gotta be gay. In the musical, I think they play off of kind of how the movie could have been very wrong, and then also really, I think, toe the line between racism and... <laughs> and LGBTQ homophobia.
0: You could argue that gay or European, which is, they call there right there to yeah. not spoil the punchline of the song Ala Dance 10 looks 3. There are certain, like, trading on gay stereotypes a la Enid, but they're much more ultimately respectful. And it's this just fun throwaway song that is good, but a little bit too popular. It's like, we get it, it was
1: funny. I also think this is interesting, though, because Vivian has a part in the song where she basically goes, ah, you see, it's not necessarily that he's gay. And she does it in a very, like, non-homophobic way, as opposed to the way that, like, Callahan, for example, would bring it up. But the song
0: is just so silly. like
1: Because when the song ends
0: and his boyfriend gets up and outs him, they, like, run off together past, like, a freaking, like, rainbow flag, and Mm -hmm. everyone is so happy for them, and it's like, oh, goodbye, enjoy being boyfriend. And they didn't arrest him for, like... Perjury. like, perjury
1: or anything. Um, But it's, again, another one of those instances where they make fun of Enid. Um, Her lines in this are like, Oh, look at that condescending smirk seen it on every guy at work. That guy's a metro-hetero jerk. Not necessary. At all. No.
0: Nope. So, you know, Enid is consistently frustrating, but it's a perfectly fun number. So they meet to sort of talk about that they had their good day at court and, like, struck a blow for their side and Callahan gets Elle alone and kisses her and she hits him and he essentially says, well, you I thought you were smart. You're being stupid by not letting me wield power over you to turn this into a sexual relationship. Um, and Vivian sees the whole thing and Warner only sees the kiss and then like runs off. And Elle is immediately sort of defeated all of the self-esteem that she built up about herself and thinking like there's more to me then my looks is immediately sort of, oh, the only interest that Callahan had in me was ultimately sexual. Yeah. We get the song Legally Blonde, and it's sad. Where Elle says, maybe I should go back to where I belong and where I don't have to, like, think anymore. And... And it's, I think it's a beautiful number.
1: Yes. Oh, and, and the singing between her and Emmett and both of them kind of... And Emmett tells her he loves her through oh, yeah. the door. And then he's singing the
0: love motif that she's been singing when he yep. tells her... He, love... She passed the baton to him. Oh, my God. So she goes back to the salon to say goodbye to Paulette. And you know what would be the perfect thing to keep the dramatic tension going? If we had another freaking interlude where they played with the dog but waiting for her in the salon are Vivian and Enid, don't ask why, don't ask how, well, but what's interesting is Vivian confronts Elle in the salon and she very explicitly says, we girls have to stick together.
1: Well, it's really interesting because once the trial starts, that's when Vivian starts to see who Warner is really as a person, because up until that point, and know, yes, very much so. Up until that point, she has seen Elle through the lens of Warner, and she's seen Warner through the lens of guy who's trying to learn things in Harvard. And when they actually are under fire, she gets to see how Elle actually, you know, gets the alibi, but you know, holds by the trust of her client, and Elle tries to figure things out in the case, and Elle actually proves herself to be a valuable asset, and Warner kind of proves himself to be an asshole and useless about There's how to treat women.
0: about women helping women, and that's so great. So then we have the Legally Blonde remix, quote-unquote, which is fine.
1: I mean, it's memorable to me now that I had to listen to it a few times. A lot of this reprise of the title, you would think this would be really important because the first, you know, legally blonde song was super sad and this is the like triumphant one is not sung by Elle. Like Vivian sings a lot of this song.
0: Also, what's a great moment in the song is Kyle reveals that he is Irish and therefore it's like yes. an ultimate fun. He and Paulette are supposed to be together. Oh, and man. they have like a fake Irish Irish step dancing interlude for the no reason. And it's adorable. Just, it's incredible.
1: And it's the, it's the moment where Elle goes, you know what, if I'm doing this and I really have worth, I have to be me. And Gabi is, like, wildly flailing right now as I say that. Because she dons, like, a pink suit, which is...
0: The metaphor for all that she has become where she can be herself and this like what she is comfortable being in terms of gender, which is this like hyper feminine role. But she can still do that and wear like a suit and be serious as she needs to be and get things done. And that's what she's going to be wearing when she gets Brooke off for the murder she didn't commit. So she goes back into that courtroom In the movie, Stephanie, why don't you take this? Because I know you had a lot of feelings about this.
1: This is, what happens in the movie is she has a cross-examination with the stepdaughter and in it realizes the stepdaughter had gotten a perm and then takes a shower and there's a chemical that uh, when somebody gets a perm, it will be deactivated if it gets wet within the first 24 hours. And due to learning this, she's able to, you know, talk the stepdaughter into confessing she She killed killed her her father father because she thought it was her stepmother right she doesn't present any evidence or anything but she's able to just have this conversation with her similar to what emma did with the pool boy yes um in the musical she goes hey i have figured this out and had this light bulb moment but i'm not going to reveal it yet can we go to the scene of the crime because i have to show it to you and is this a song by the way yes na 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 it's the scene of the crime the greek chorus which is not the greek chorus anymore because they're actually there oh yeah
0: they physically show up and she yeah. doesn't
1: recognize she at first she thinks they're a figment of her imagination i love that she's like oh i don't need you guys right now like i don't need greek chorus they're like what are you talking about honey it's us um, so they go to the scene of the crime. She makes the whole courtroom get up. She takes them to the bathroom. Has Enid get a perm? Turns yeah, on the shower done this in the courtroom. You don't need to get you know have someone get a perm to do this. You can explain and it. Also, it's just another way to make fun of poor Enid. Yeah.
0: And then when she gets the stepdaughter to confess to the crime, when she's confronted with this evidence. It's very, like, slow and, like, fine, you got me. It's not her being, like, upset or, like, yeah. Warner. Yeah, I agree with you. It do- I don't think this bothers me quite as much as it bothers you, but it does bother me. But they succeed. As the case is thrown out, there's a little reprise of, oh, my God, and... So here's where things get interesting again with Warner. Vivian has dumped Warner because she has seen that... She can do better. <laughs> yeah, and he immediately goes and proposes to L because Warner is more insecure than you think he is that Warner doesn't know who he is without a girlfriend, without a partner by his side, and that he's contextualizing himself by who he's choosing to be with. In the movie, Mm -hmm. L turns down the engagement by saying, if I want to be a partner in a law firm by the time I'm 30, I'm going to need to be dating someone who isn't such a bonehead. And it's like this insulting moment. And in the musical, she sings, Find My Way, which which is this really beautiful, nice number where she says, thank you, but no, this isn't what we're meant to be. I have to find my own way and I can't do that with you. And the number ends with them, like, hugging and parting on good terms. She
1: thanks him for breaking up with her because she was able to grow because of it.
0: So flash forward to the finale, which is taking place at graduation. In the movie, Elle is the guest speaker. Here, they make her valedictorian. Sure, fine, whatever. Paulette breaks the fourth wall to, instead of, you know, in the movie, it's what's happening at the bottom of the screen, but Paulette tells us what's going on. And so here's what's interesting. Vivian's training for the Peace Corps. Enid practices family law. Warner drops out of law school and makes more money modeling. Which, given sort of all we've just seen and his sort of weird character arc that we've gotten, is like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, she married Kyle, and they have a family, and they're super great together. Callahan ran for governor and and, and lost. lost, and Emmett represented his wife in their in their messy divorce. And I have one little nitpick with what happens at the end. The musical ends with L ending her speech to propose marriage to Emmett. Considering that Paulette prefaces the finale by being like, Elle doesn't like to make things all about her, which is consistent with the character. It is the most obnoxious, narcissistic thing to interrupt a commencement speech by proposing. You're just turning this like group communal celebration and making it about you. That said, this is brilliant. The movie ends with, Emmett is going to propose to Elle tonight. And it's like, oh, she gets her guy. And the musical has this sort of ultimate, it's, it, this is really definitely her getting it all because she gets down on one knee and proposes to him and he responds with, oh my God, the same way that she had been building up the anticipation of being in that position in the opening with, number.
1: Oh my God! It's bookended, I love it.
0: Yeah, and, and then the sorority girls are there and saying like, if there ever was a perfect couple, this one qualifies. And her relationship with Emmett and the fact that it's ending in them getting married where it could be treated as sort of this like, it sort of sums up everything about the arc. It's like, that's brilliant. Why didn't the movie do this? So
1: here's where I have to ask you a question, because you said it's really obnoxious of her to propose at her graduation speech. Is what would have been a good alternative? Because having the graduation is definitely a good way to end this, and having the wedding is a good way to end this. So they kind of had to.
0: I recognize that it was just easier to do it that way, and then in the end they're, like, kissing, and she's wearing her graduation cap. He moves the tassel over for her, like... It's so beautiful. Super cute. So this is a good musical. Unfortunately, it came out in the 2006 to 2007 Broadway season. It had seven Tony nominations. It came out the same year as both Spring Awakening and Grey Gardens. Zero Tonys. It got the Olivier for best musical when it eventually played the West End. And it's just a shame because it's part of the unfairness of any sort of um, art form that has a yearly award thing. For the most part, this is a musical for musical theater fans, with a few exceptions, with like the fake reggae number and the bend and snap. And
1: it's definitely for musical theater fans who like more modern musicals.
0: So lyrics I know I gave you your homework of picking your favorite and least favorite lyric and I know this was really really difficult for you Had I totally you? failed at your homework So my least favorite lyric is as I mentioned there's a lot of lyrics that sort of don't work but nothing makes me as mad as we all flew here on JetBlue Thank you and then the JetBlue pilot shows up to say thank you It's like honestly like someone in this musical plays like credit like JetBlue pilot and that's like Personally offensive to me, so it's not even that the lyric like sounds bad. It's just what it represents. I don't know that Elwoods would fly JetBlue because JetBlue doesn't have first class, and that's one of the things that make them like a good airline. But
1: like L is definitely a first class. I'm looking right now, for example, at the lyrics from the Harvard variations because I go, you know what? I really don't like that song for multiple levels. The way they represent the people who go to Harvard is almost as vapid and shallow as they represent the sorority girls at the beginning. How many yachts can one man own? Like, some say I'm pompous. Somehow I don't lose much sleep. Why bother with false both man- modesty? Harvard's a perfect place for me. And I'm just like... I don't know. I've t- known too many people who've gone to Harvard. All
0: right. Um, what about
1: favorite lyric. So, I'm going to say two. I'm going to have my like funny one and my like I actually love this lyric one. I happen to love in so much better how she goes up to him and does the fake orgasm cuz everyone is watching her. Everyone's there and she makes it so obviously apparent when she she like does the whole thing and she goes, "Ah, oh, much better." And it's just this great comedic scene. And then I think I think one of my favorite lyrics has to be from Chip on My Shoulder just because I think it's it's one of those things that we all have to take away from it just the chorusy part where he's like there's a chip on my shoulder and it's big as a boulder with the chance I've been given I'm gonna be driven as hell and it's just this moment of total and complete knowledge of who Emmett is
0: so my favorite lyric is also from Chip on My Shoulder um, I think it's maybe the strongest song lyrically in the show yep. so there's simply lyrics that I just find really like clever and are just fun to like say in your mouth You know, this vanity is real picturesque, but it started its life as a desk.
1: Oh, I love that little exchange there.
0: There's something about it. First of all, it expresses a lot. It has a really great cadence to it and like a and like the like meter. And also that it's just a really interesting way of expressing, hey, you're using your desk as a vanity. Like you should put some books on it, you know two lines that just really get his character in a way that is also interesting from a musical like construction standpoint so yes legally blonde final verdict good feminist musical that is sometimes great and sometimes misses the mark
1: but you can get past the cheap throwaways it's definitely worth a viewing especially because you can see it for free online
0: all right so wow stephanie thank you so much for doing this
1: I feel so much better than before.
0: All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pick a Little, Talk a Little. You can follow us on Twitter at Paltal Podcast, as in P-A-L-T-A-L. Email us at paltalpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Pick a Little, Talk a Little. We are produced and edited by the incomparable Rachel Jacobs. You can find her at rachel-jacobs.com or on Twitter at WTFRJK. I've been your host, Gabrielle Gazelowitz. I'm at GabrielleGazelowitz.com, which is spelled in a way that you probably wouldn't guess. And I'm on Twitter at Gazelowitz. so see if you can find me. So until next time. And as they say in cabaret, a auf abiental. Auf